We are the Borg. Prepare your human ears for green shirt assimilation. Existence as you know it is over. Cameron's transformation from next generation newbie is well underway. Will someone please explain the holodeck to me? Co-hosts Marcy and Rob are adding their biological distinctiveness to his. Ugh, gross. And I quit. Arnold doesn't like it. This week's episode, The Wounded. Resistance is futile. <laughs> you guys have you guys have parents? <laughs> you ever have to help them with tech stuff? Yeah. Yes. I've been dealing with my parents. Their internet's been down, but not really. It's just that their Windows computer hasn't been updated or restarted in probably three years. So I had to go <laughs> drive across town to restart their computer. And uh, to brave the pandemic. They're like, it's working on the Kindle Fire, but it's not working on the, uh, on the laptop. But we called Comcast. They're coming out Wednesday. And I said, no, I don't think Comcast needs to come out. I, I wish I had thought of just like restart your computer. I didn't think of it at the time. Uh, but I went all the way over there. Yes, braving the pandemic, driving through downtown Portland, the the burned down husk of Portland, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's burned down at least five times now. I think. Yeah, all the <laughs> they're rebuilding it really quickly. Uh, were you able uh, to dodge the uh, hordes of ravagers? Uh, well, there was the ravagers. Antifa was everywhere. Gosh. Disguised as mailboxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, parents are great because they like gave us life and all but is it worth it (laughs) (laughs) why is it so hard with the technology like i had to try to help my dad get on zoom and like his sound wasn't working and i started to use the chat but i don't think he understood what was happening with the chat (laughs) he thought it was because i was using andrew's account so he's like talking like it was andrew and i'm like (laughs) Oh, it's not Andrew. I'm like actually literally talking to you right now, Dad. It's me, Marcy. Like, just like, come on. I want to say to wrap it up that I'm glad we're um, talking about uh, dealing with our aging parents instead of the current state of the world. This has been nice. Yeah. Well, get ready to talk about the current state of the world with the (laughs) subject material in this episode. Good transition. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Green Shirt. I am Cameron, who is enjoying his first taste of the next generation. And here to help serve up this delicious sci-fi dish, we have Rob Fieri. Oh, uh, bam. Nope, not bam. Um, hmm. Uh, Marcy Stewart. I got it. (laughs) And in the guest chair today, we have Daniel Bourdain. Daniel, Dan Roven, thank you for joining us in the guest chair. Thank you. I am here with no reservations. Very happy to to be here. (laughs) Well played. What is your history and or knowledge of the next generation ah, uh next generation is next to none i've watched a few episodes <laughs> of the original uh series uh next generation i could probably have named most of the main characters before watching this episode and i believe when i was uh preteen, i came across a novelization of next generation <laughs> it's like oh that's what this character right she's the psychic type of person <laughs> the book had something to do where they were landing on a planet full of poisonous chicken people uh oh that one uh yes but yeah that's about that's the extent of my okay. previous knowledge so that's about where i was when i started started this podcast 
Cool, cool. And you and your history with Cameron. Can you tell us any embarrassing stories about Cameron? Uh, well, <laughs> gosh, there was this one time where I caught him doing puppetry, and it was really embarrassing. Ooh. I learned it oh, from you, Daniel. Say, like masturbating into a puppet or something. Else. <laughs> well, that's that's yeah. Oh well, no, he was holding the puppet, and it was like. I was confused whether to label it a blowjob or a hand job because of <laughs> an important distinction. Is that the first time you've used that joke? Uh, it is actually. Yes. You're, you should be honored. That's a good joke. That's a good puppet joke. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel and I did meet over puppets. We, uh, we both worked on the puppet horror film, Frank and Zed that uh, our mutual friend, Jesse directed, which is, Kind of blowing up. It is, yeah. It's still yeah. looking for distribution. If you want to find any more, you can visit them at puppetcore.com. I'll do it. I'll distribute it. Check out the trailer and tell people you want to see it so someone will, will buy it and release it. Yeah, it turned out really well. The critics seem to be really yeah. enjoying it. It's pretty great. And just uh, checking in, how's it cooking over there in the producer booth, John? Oh, sizzling. Everything's going well. Starting <laughs> the new year right. Our audio quality is in your hands. <laughs> he's he's our cake boss. <laughs> Well, this week we did watch The Wounded, which has more bulging neck veins than all three Expendables movies combined. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. No, they're like reptile ridges, Cam. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what they are. Well, I thought you were talking about the the racist captain. Oh, well, that too. Uh, yes, to your point, Daniel, I actually, the first time I watched this episode was January 6th, which is a date, is now living in infamy, uh, the day of the Capitol riot. So at the end of that day, I was like, you know what, I just need to turn my brain off, I need to watch some escapist fare, <laughs> turn on some Star Trek, and yeah. I can't not wait not for so all much. the high-octane blaster fights and uh, total <laughs> lack of uh, commentary on human nature and discrimination and... <laughs> How violence begets violence. Uh, so we begin. They are mapping the Cardassian sector. This is, they do a lot of mapping, right? <laughs> I have that note. They are the cosmic cartographers. <laughs> yeah. But my other question is, do they ever finish a map? <clears throat> I'm pretty sure every time they've been mapping, they've gotten interrupted. That's, you know, that's why it's to boldly go where no one has gone before. They always get interrupted. Space is actually really small in the Star Trek universe. It's just... <laughs> right. There is so much happening. Uh, you know what? I heard that space is flat, so that they don't <laughs> oh, really map it to the edge of space, and then it's... Do you have a Facebook group I could join to learn more about that? I'm starting one right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the Enterprise does have a 360 camera on top of it that um, does a street view. <laughs> <laughs> Galaxy oh, is that what that was? <laughs> yeah, Google Star Maps. Cardassians. Hey, they're introduced. They are. Is this the first time we've seen and or heard them? Yeah, is. it is. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure because I know they become big later. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard that one of them marries Kanye at some point. And oh, there we go. That's why. It's timing before first one. Kim Kardashian joke. <laughs> first one. We made it one minute and 15 seconds. Congratulations. It's not going to be the last. Okay. But so... Uh, They've had peace for a year, which means the Cardassian War was going on throughout the entire first and second seasons. Yeah. But they're not, obviously their ships don't really stand a chance to the Enterprise. So there's, I mean, I guess that wasn't part of, you know, the Enterprise would have just been blowing them away, apparently. 
Yeah, it shows later in the episode that it's like, aha, our warship will take care of... Oh, no. Oh, oh well. <laughs> no. Like, later. everything they talk about is like, oh, our transporters aren't as good. Our, our user interfaces aren't as good. You've got a PS5. We've got a Commodore 64, you know. Yeah. For the villains they become in the Star Trek universe, this episode definitely is like, wait, how? How did this last so long? How did it get so horrific? I was super surprised to see their weird brown outfit with, like, the vagina crest on the front. The labia forehead? Yeah, forehead, and there's, like, an emblem that looks just like oh, the vagina. Oh, okay. I couldn't take my eyes off yeah, there's, that. There's kind of a, yeah, recurring motif. Yeah, and then, like... <laughs> The also the reverse helmet, like it doesn't protect anything vulnerable. I, yeah, I was I was confused by that. Like, you, like they wear it into the ship and they're wearing it on their own ship, but then they like take it off because they feel finally safe. They can protect that thin strip of <laughs> cheekbone and forehead. Yeah, it definitely seems ceremonial. I don't. I dug it. I thought it looked at cool. first. I thought it was like how they steered the ship. Like they, you know. <laughs> Like it plugs into their nostrils or That'd something. Be cool. It's like a yeah, power we, glove for the head. We use old VR headsets to pilot our ships. Can you help us with that too? <laughs> but sadly, the this is the only time the helmets appear. Oh, so, yeah, I know. It's like, man, they actually weren't a bad. Especially since it showed they could take them off for face-to-face interactions. Mm. Like, come on, put on your battle helmet. I don't know. I think they're kind of dumb, John. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, let's bring back the stupid, like, lines across his face and his forehead. Like, it's not a helmet. That's the fucking point. Like, they had real, really mad Mad Max realness there, you know? Like, <laughs> it did. Yeah. It did feel very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do love the timeline of, of their peace treaties, though, because they would have... Because obviously... The, the Cardassians made peace because they were probably getting their ass kicked because their technology sucks so much. And then it would have been just before the Battle of Wolf 47. I'm sure the Cardassians were like, shit, we could have taken them now. No, no, no. You don't get to just cough through that ash. Wolf 359. Come on. 359. It's a real okay. place. I'll learn it one of these days. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that, that crippled the, the Federation. The Cardassians... Totally would have been on top of, oh, we signed that stupid peace treaty. We're seeing a captain of a ship that's not, like, their best ship. He's just or some random Cardassian that, like, saw the Enterprise going through his territory and was like, I'm going to start shooting on Picard because our science station was destroyed. Like, he was obviously outmatched with that ship. Yeah, I don't know what his plan was I mean, the Enterprise is the best ship in the fleet, Cameron, so you got to give them... But a- is the Phoenix apparently can destroy a warship in 30 seconds flat, though. Mm-hmm. With no shields. Yep. And when the uh, enemy knows, like, has a jump. Well, you don't on. know what happened during that battle. <laughs> we do. I, I watched the Commodore 64 graphics yeah. on the screen with it's everyone else. Very clear. The circles <laughs> moved toward each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we talk about ugly Jim Halpert then in the ensign's chair, in the pilot's chair? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little bit like. That is Wesley's chair. Like, I didn't like Wesley, and now I'm like, who are all these fuckwads in his chair? Right? Like, just give me this faceless. Like, I hated Wesley, but now I'm like, it's sort of like Tasha Yar. I, you know, you're like, I don't really like her in the first. And then, like, when they leave, you suddenly start, like, missing them. It's the nostalgia factor, I guess. Except for Pulaski. Except for Aww. Pulaski. <laughs> yeah, watching this episode, there are a few things that's like, oh, here we go with the next generation. And then the, most of them weren't present. Like, the only, like, cliche I noted was, like, make it so. Uh, but there's like, no, like, Riker stepping over a chair. No Wesley being annoying. Uh, 
uh, Worf getting beaten up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I kind of right. liked that. Worf, of course, like always is like, I don't trust the Cardassians. Right. right. It made me think, it made me wonder if this was a race that we had like already. <laughs> I was like, is this a race we're already familiar with? Because it feels like all the races that Worf it doesn't trust. Yeah. I mean, like, well, that's what I wrote down. I was like, who do you trust Worf? Because you don't <laughs> trust anybody. But once again, I am on Worf's side Every time he says something in this episode and nobody listens to... I mean, they do actually listen to him this time. They do, actually. Yeah, they do. I mean, you have been at war with people like one year ago, so you can't full-on trust them. Just yeah. I don't know. Picard's like, let's just let them be guests on the ship. <laughs> no. I know. Picard has to be reminded that maybe they shouldn't be poking around the <laughs> the fusion reactor. They have a fusion yeah. reactor, right? I don't know. The warp core. Well, he did. he did get a call from his boss saying, you know... War at any cost. So, you know, (laughs) serve them little sandwiches, whatever you need to do. And then we cut to uh, an awesome shot of some really awesome space food. (laughs) Oh, no. No, it's just Japanese food. Kelp buds, plankton loaf, and sea berries. I was, though. I was like, oh, this is cool looking space food finally. But apparently it's it's not. It's terrestrial. But is it really? I don't know. I assumed. It is kind of funny that, like, they're pretty much like, guess what? O'Brien is from Ireland. He's going to talk about <laughs> potatoes all the right. time. Like, I know. look at how Irish I am. I mean, he does. I mean, he does have a giant uh, Irish head. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no hiding that. <laughs> like, let's eat some scalloped potatoes. Like, <laughs> here's my potato casserole. I, I was surprised that they brought Keiko back so quickly in the next episode, so... I mean, that's fun. That's fun. They're like, okay, O'Brien's a main character, and bam, O'Brien episode, the next one. I mean, yeah, it is an O'Brien episode. I do like that Keiko says that, oh, yeah, this this, uh, kelp and seaweed, it's it's healthy. Shouldn't everything that's coming out of the replicator be equally healthy? (laughs) Like fortified and (laughs) vitamin water and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but there's got to be some foods that have more fat than other foods, just like in the real world. Hey, replicate me some pure sugar. Know. Yeah. I like how both partners in that relationship were like very subtly like, oh, this right. food is for a thing. Yeah. How about I cook dinner tonight? <laughs> I thought O'Brien was very diplomatic in the scene. Yes. He made the same face, though. They same dated, right? Face. Yeah. This wasn't an arranged marriage, right? Like, <laughs> Isn't right. this a conversation that comes up earlier? How do they never eat together before now? Right? <laughs> ever. Like, ever. Because that's, yeah. Like, that's one of the first conversations you have in a relationship. Maybe space mm. dating, you just kind of eat, you know, you get your own replicated food and you don't really, like, share dishes. Maybe that's just the way, <laughs> you know, the way it goes. Well, I think they pretty much ended every meal with, like, let's fuck. I mean, that's what happened in this dinner, so. <laughs> that's what happens here, yeah. The honeymoon is not over. I was not expecting so that, I don't Keiko. Think they, bef- when they were dating, they were thinking about the food. They were thinking about what comes after the food, John. I thought okay. she was talking about that's dessert. Fair. Was she not talking about ice cream? Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought that she was working with the Cardassians when she said, I have another surprise for you. And then explosions oh. happened. I nice. know. It's like, yeah, the, the ship's not supposed to rock till later, guys. <laughs> I also like this scene because it does kind of tie in nicely with the rest of the episode in that it's showing that marriage is a lot like war crimes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's as fragile as a post-war diplomacy. Like, there's a lot of, huh? you know, comparisons with the, uh, you know, you got to meet in the middle, you got to come together. Yeah, it so also I, I thought that was as, you know, these two very separate cultures uh, mm-hmm. kind of clashing and trying to get used to each other. And yeah. 
Which is why one of my problems with episodes that it really felt like it needed that third scene with the two of them. Like you get the one side, then you get the other side, and you needed that third scene of them coming together and working their dinner table diplomacy out. Uh, the censors were probably like, "Whoa, that is way too graphic." Nope, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have just been their sex. It would have just been their sex scene. This is a situation where it wasn't a wasn't in need of a callback, but it was just one situation setting up the feel of the rest of the episode. But I also th- felt we needed one more episode with O'Brien, like, describing what he's going through. Because he it is his episode, he does have the arc, and we'll get into it. But, like, I don't really know how or why he changed by the end of the episode. And I oh, felt- really? I mean, there was a very specific point. When yeah, Picard, it seemed clear to me. Yeah, Picard basically gives him a speech that's a classic Picard speech of, like, you're a dickhole, like, clean yourself up <laughs> in a diplomatic way. And then... <laughs> Brian goes to ten forward, drinks a little bit because he's Irish, and then he's like, "Obviously, Picard's right." So I'm going to talk to this Cardassian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I like that scene, but I don't know if that's if he's to- totally changed by then either. No. So they get attacked by get the Cardassians out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and uh, they're like, "What the fuck?" Or we get to see the first shot of those glorious CPAP helmets. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because we hadn't actually seen the Cardassians yeah. yet. It's a cool looking ship too. I like the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And we meet Gold Masset. This is the first yes. time I watched we just got a gigantic new TV. And so it was Ooh. the first time I'd actually oh. watched Star Trek in on the that TV. Nice. And like the nacelles on the Enterprise look pretty freaking sweet on that big TV. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sweet. <laughs> The nerdiest thing that's going to be said all day. <laughs> but uh, how how did uh, Goldman Sachs, uh lip lip chops look? How did oh, those look in those big? Again, the reverse beard, so, yeah. like reverse helmet, and now like reverse goatee. What the hell? Like I don't yeah. think I see any more after that. Cardassians don't have facial hair. Yeah, the Aww. facial hair and the helmets both disappeared. But Golma said the actor playing him does not disappear. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But not playing Golma set. Nope, another goal. No. But yeah, he is. It was so hard for me, John, not to think Goldacott. Gold right, Dukat. right. Like, it's every like, no, time this they is said Goldacott, I was like, yeah. it's not yeah. him. I see, it's a different character. Yeah, like not <laughs> only the same is actor? he, yeah, yeah. same actor, oh, but not just that. Like he is the his body is what they based the neck. Holy shit! On. That guy has a long neck. Yeah, I had to look up yeah. pictures like, of the that's actor. That's why they created the ridges for the Cardassians was his neck. So yeah, yeah, he's got a nice butt. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of actors, this actor is Mark Alemo. Alemo, he's in ninety six <laughs> things. He starts in nineteen seventy. There's a TV movie from seventy five called A Matter of Wife and Death. <laughs> <laughs> Helter Skelter. Six million dollar man, uh, and followed up by Bionic Woman, Little Starsky oh. and Hutch, Last Starfighter. He is a hitchhiker. Oh. He's got some T.J. T. Hooker and Scarecrow, and Mrs. King, and A Team. All the stuff that was going on there. And then Tango and Cash. He plays Lopez. He's in Quantum Leap. He's in. He's in Total Recall as Everett. Mm. And then uh, lots of next gen. Well, not uh, a number of next gen. That's more than one. And then uh, Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third. He plays a trucker. Anyway, <laughs> some Deep Space Nine. I won't tell you how many episodes of that, uh, but it's it's more than Every one. Every single one, practically. <laughs> and then uh, he ended in 2010 with a Family Guy episode where he played the Dean of the Secret Order of Dirty Joke Writers. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So, way That's to go, Marco Lemo. That's the capstone. That's when you retire, when you get that 
Family Guy money. Sweet, sweet Family Guy. <laughs> I liked him well enough, so I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. glad to see that he'll be coming back. Yeah, he did good. We learned that a Starfleet captain has gone rogue and is just uh, picking off Cardassians left and right. Well, no, he, he destroyed one one science base. A science space? Science space? Uh, science space? Is that not base? what it was? A research station? <laughs> Star base. Oh, that's sorry. I thought you said science space. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, he destroyed a space. <laughs> Uh, yeah, later we learned that he's gone silent running, and I wondered if that meant he had turned the phoenix into just like a big greenhouse in space, like Bruce Stern did in the <laughs> film Silent Running. <laughs> I thought John might laugh. That was a joke for oh, one. Yeah. That's a stretch. <laughs> so Picard turns up his diplomacy skills, was like, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. Why don't you transfer over to our ship? That seems like the best way to do this. And then we'll find him together. And they Well, that's, that was what he was ordered to do. Well, yeah. From the he's Admiral. A, he's on board with but it. I did, I did like his diplomacy before that, where he's like, hang on, give me an hour to sort this out. Or we could just kill you. So your <laughs> yeah. choice. Mm, this is acceptable. Right. <laughs> if you'd like, I'll call it a fight in the record later, but it's not going to be a fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do like how they kind of do a callback to the Borg episode by mm. the Admiral basically being like, we can't sustain another conflict, and that's because the entire fleet's been destroyed. Right. Like, they mm. can't have another war. They're not ready so for that. So that was kind of nice. I do love that the, the idea of a rogue racist Starfleet captain would never have flown when Roddenberry was still alive. This is definitely a post-Roddenberry episode. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> Like, oh, wait, people have demons? No, come on. <laughs> I want to see more sex. I don't want to see races. I want to see sex. That's what would have been a Gene Roddenberry. That's right. Well, I know. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. At, at this point, I began to wonder if Benjamin Maxwell is the titular wounded. So I want to make sure that throughout this episode that we figure out who is or what is the titular wounded of the, the title. <laughs> so I'll be asking that every five minutes or so. Okay. I mean, I don't know if we should talk about it now, but I just noticed during the opening credit sequence that there's a couple of very interesting named actors. Oh my in gosh, episode. yes. <laughs> I yeah. saw I saw Time Winters. Time uh, Winters? Like, That's I told my wife, Can we name our kid that? <laughs> <laughs> you could name one Time Winters, Time Summers, Time... <laughs> And then, uh, and then John Hancock. <laughs> yeah. John oh, Hancock yeah. was an actor? He's Admiral. Really? He's Admiral. That's Admiral Hayden. Oh, he's the oh, Admiral. Okay. okay. And Time Winters is Glenn Darrow, the one Darrow. that oh, doesn't talk as much. The third one. Not the one that's friendly with O'Brien, but the third, I think, is... No, he's the one that's uh, friendly, I think. He's the one that's friendly yeah, with I O'Brien. I think Time yeah. is the friendly one, the nerdy yeah. one, as Marcy calls him. <laughs> Time is friendly. We'll talk, we'll talk about them pretty shortly. Yeah, well, they come on board. Uh, I, it is interesting, this episode. Like, Picard specifically sends Troy down to the teleporter room to greet them. And at first I was like, because he says, send, go with the counselor. And I'm like, why send the counselor? Oh, right, because she can read their emotions, which she never does this entire episode and might have been helpful. Well, I would argue that there was, one, there was one moment where she did a weird little double take and I was confused why, but rewatching the episode I was like, oh, that's what that's it for. Was it, O'Brien. it was well, at O'Brien. It was at O'Brien. All right. Yeah. 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 What was he thinking? Was it <laughs> yeah. about the Cardassians? Was it about yes. her? His no. wife? <laughs> the food? What was it? <laughs> he actually, he had, he's like had an upset stomach and he was about ready to like, like shit his pants so he teleported the shit out of his intestines into his face. 
episode ago. Just like Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I yep. thought he got away with it until Troy's. Until <laughs> Troy. All right. That would be so it. funny if somebody did a cut of that where like she turns and looks at him and then he lets out this like huge fart. You uh, can just do a, a super cut on YouTube of like every time Troy gives someone a look because she does it a lot. Yeah, she does. That would be good. Just shirt noises. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been even better if, like, O'Brien's, like, looking at her. Like, they both know what's going on. And a bead, a bead of sweat drops, drips down his, his temple. He's like, please, please leave. Still, O'Brien? Still. Always. Oh well, let me go into real quick. Uh, Glenn. So why are they all named Glenn? It's like a rank... Ah, uh, yes. You mean goal? Goal. Well, no, but then his, his goal yeah. is the captain. Entourage. And the two henchmen are Glins. They're both yeah. Glyn. Oh, gotcha, um, gotcha. Glyn Tele is played by Marco Rodriguez, who is known for. He's in 130 things, so I'll try to keep this pithy. Wow. But mm. he starts in. 1980. You'll be happy to know that as I quickly scrolled down, there was definitely a recognizable, even though I went at super speed, there's definitely a show that's recognizable in my IMDb. Uh, he is indeed in JAG. <laughs> He's known for Cobra as the, su- the supermarket killer in Cobra, the Stallone movie Cobra. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Fat Boys movie, The Disorderlies. Little MacGyver, little... Okay, so Star Trek, he's going to be in uh, two episodes. He plays another character later on, Captain Paul Rice. Uh, Jake the Fat Man. Ooh, Briscoe County Jr., remember that? Walker, Texas Ranger. ER. He's worked right up until 2021 when he was in uh, a movie that's called Forget About It. (laughs) Forget About It. Already forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then really briefly, we'll talk about time. You guys have time? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have anything to do. Cool. Cool. Glendaro by Time Winters. I wonder if he's related to Alex Winters. Hmm. Uh, probably not. Uh, 156 things. Oh, I just forget it. <laughs> forget about it. I don't have time for this. Uh, he's in sneakers. He's known for sneakers, homeless man, thinner, uh, the runaways, I'm sorry. You'll have to do your own research on Time Winters and his amazing name. He's in too he's many an things. enigma. All these actors are in too many things. He was my favorite Cardassian. I love that guy. Hey, he's good. So they are all in the briefing room, and people get defensive. This is Picard putting on some high class charm, like smiling a lot, like "Oh, we're gonna take care of you. Like it's gonna be fine." Total transparency. <laughs> <laughs> no edited reports for you. <laughs> My favorite was when they're like, oh, we've got to go save that transport ship. Uh, Go from warp four to warp nine, please. You were going warp four? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, right. Captain? I was right. like, what the Don't fuck? worry. We're, we're doing all of our resources to catch this serial killer. Uh, warp four, please. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what the hell? I enjoyed how uh, they were like, well, he just killed several hundred civilians. Uh, anything in his history? Yes, the Cardassians killed his whole family. Well, then it's probably revenge. Oh, uh, 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 let's not speculate. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, obviously, that's the reason. <laughs> right. And then Brian's the one that gets bent out, bent out of shape. I think he does a good job of playing the, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I have no issues, no, I'm good, I'm good, through this whole episode, and then yeah. finally, like, 
no, dude, you <laughs> really need to talk to somebody about your Cardassian war issues. Like, yeah, again, Troy would have come in handy with that yeah, aspect right? also. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a little hard to swallow when he's like, you can't trust those people. And then the next scene is, oh, they're fine. I don't see what the big deal is. But <laughs> some of my best friends are Cardassians. Yeah, I mean, he's projecting. That's what right. people do when they project. They're yeah. like... Oh, those people are acting like this when they're actually talking about themselves. Yeah, later <laughs> with Keiko, it's like, yeah, I think there are some people in that room that uh, don't really like uh, Cardassians. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, you know, in real life are like, oh, I don't hate insert race here, but I don't yeah. trust them. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I'm not racist, but mm-hmm. we were just at war with them. <laughs> That's right. Um, so then we have what the uh, turbo lift. Mm-hmm. Poor Doma. Darrow. 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 I feel so bad for Darrow this whole episode. I mean, I don't really feel bad for that guy. I mean, he's a military guy who showed up on a ship. Like, oh, no. Like, he has to deal with somebody who was also in the war and has trauma. I mean, come on. he's reaching out. He just looks so timid. He looks, I just want to hold him. You know he was, like, one of the guys that massacred those people. Like. (laughs) Oh, he gets really defensive later. He's like, that was a mistake. You know his hands had something there, you're right. Anyway, we've got a clip, I think, from that scene. In the meantime, we're going to your 10 forward. Will you join us? If my commander tells me to discuss the transporter with you, I will. If Captain Picard orders me to tell you everything I know about Ben Maxwell, I will. But who I choose to spend my free time with. That's my business. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like Komini does an awesome job in this episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's a good actor. We've got a lot of good actors in this episode. And it's a hard topic to do. And I think he takes the arc and he's likable enough that you don't, like, hate him because you you empathize with his situation. And he does change over the episode. So, anyway. You're, you're right, Marcy. It's This episode is really carried by a lot of good acting. I was, like, thinking about it. And, like, there's no action scenes or special effects, really, in this episode. Like, there's the two-second space battle at the beginning and, like, some shots of ships in outer space. But the exciting, that's about it. R- the red and yellow dot. Don't forget that's the red right. and yellow yeah, dot. Right. They broke the budget on that one. But you're right. It's mostly <laughs> just the acting and the characters and the situation that carries the whole narrative and the tension. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then we get some potato casserole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is... I think this is a totally fine scene because you can tell Keiko's like... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Like she's totally not buying his yeah. ploy here to pull like say that I don't I'm not bothered by the Cardassians. She's gotta know enough about his history that mm-hmm. she knows he fought in the war and he she she knows he was probably part of that massacre. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he probably hasn't told his new wife all of those stories, so I don't think he would. Like, are you most men or I guess I shouldn't say most. Yeah, not but, all men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like a stereotype of men is that they're not going to be sharing these kinds of emotions. And certainly not in a 1980s or 19 early 90s show. I'll share the shit out of my emotions, Marcy. Hey, guys, everybody share your emotions right now. 
<laughs> Pixie shared their emotions the hardest. That was the nonverbal. I just farted. No, that's not Cameron. That's, that's not, not an emotion. That's a no. totally fine. So how did the Troy know that's what O'Brien was doing? We've established this. Uh. I like how fart is going to be an emotion now in the show. It could also be that Keiko's trying to distract from the uh, the potato uh, casserole. Yeah. Like, let's talk about your feelings. Uh, <laughs> she's yeah. like shoveling it like oh. under the table. Uh, yeah, like. she's like feeding it to the plant, the space dog. <laughs> oh no, she would never feed to the plant, Cam. She loves plants. Uh, yeah, you're on. right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. So yeah, we're this next scene. We're going to watch 850 people be murdered on electronic battleship game board. Right. So I thought it was six hundred. They really blew the special effects budget. That's yes. right. <laughs> I kind of thought it was cool because we haven't seen this before. Like normally they just talk us through it, but to like actually have the board. And the one thing Andrew pointed out to me is that they're actually telling you that like space units, and so mm-hmm. like if you were to actually think about how far away each ship is like you see them close together on the screen but when they're talking about it it's like super far apart because they're in space right which is kind of fun but like yeah we haven't actually seen them use this board because we've seen them in the background Mm -hmm. but it's never actually been used so i mean i thought it was more dynamic than just listening to them talk about or (laughs) talk about it yeah yeah And we find out now that the, you know, while they won't share their transponder codes, they know the transponder codes of the Cardassian fleet. Yeah. And this becomes, uh, so, you know, it's clearly like the... Another example of, like, the Federation just being way overpowered. Right. Compared um, to the Cardassians. Yeah. I guess you could say that they're easily keeping up with the Cardassians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could you? Could you? you could say that. There's two. All right, that's yours. Everyone gets one. <laughs> really? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> okay, Rob, you can have two. I don't think I need another one. <laughs> Worf is really upset about the idea of preventing an ambush against civilians. <laughs> like yes. for the guy that's like, oh, well, it's no honor to, you know, strike a unarmed vehicle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, but but Captain, <laughs> they'd be defenseless. Right. But Worf is the orphan of a massacre. So like, you know, it, it is how he started life was <laughs> having a you know, hundreds of people around him murdered. He thinks that everybody should experience the same if they're going to grow up to be... I mean, I, I mean, went through that, and I turned out just fine. <laughs> I have no emotional problems at all. Right, Alexander? Oh, yeah, I sent you to yeah, live with my parents. Right. <laughs> did Gold Mosset, when that bl- dot blew up, did he say he sunk my battleship? Is that what- <laughs> I think he said it under his breath. <laughs> I do love because of the the neck makeup like the Cardassians they can't turn their heads it's all it's a lot of side eye and like full body turns which I, I kind of like because yeah. it gives them like a very like a very Cardassian manner of movement oh yeah they're up to something sir they're the ones you should be investigating not Captain Maxwell you don't care for the Cardassians <laughs> I like them fine but- it's just all I know them you learn to watch your back around those people ben maxwell has just sent more than 600 of them to their deaths i don't know what to say sir but he must have had his reasons get your shit together yeah yeah it sucks it's necessary but it also sucks that at the end we kind of come to understand that the cardassians are up to something Mm -hmm. right 
Well, I mean, it makes Picard's choices much more interesting throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. As, as but also makes O'Brien's racism okay. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a neat little packaged moral. Yeah. It's like, racism right. is bad, kids. It's like, well, sometimes they are just sneaky little backstabbers, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah, it's it's very hard to hear such casual racism from a character that you love so much. Like, oh, yeah, that's how racism works. That's mm-hmm. right. It's not sneering well, he must have evil had a reason people. for blowing yeah. up 600 civilians um, right yeah <laughs> you know you should investigate the civilians that just got blown up exactly yeah <laughs> i heard there were antifa actors over there <laughs> i i enjoyed that little speech it uh like on a second watch through i was trying to kind of wreck uh oh what's the What's the, there's a word that starts with R to uh, bring two <laughs> opposing concepts together that I don't recall. It Reconcile. Name. Reconcile. Thank you. Uh, the, the themes of racism is bad, but also, you know, it's okay to be racist against these people sometimes. And it seems like the theme of the episode maybe wasn't about necessarily racism is bad, but that uh, anger uh, is something that it, it can sneak up on you mm-hmm. and you can forget that you've been holding on to it all that time. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about war than racism, really. Right, right. Or the the racism is like a an a, a consequence of the war, perhaps. right? Yeah, yeah, like Captain Maxwell's a a man of war in a time of peace, and that's where, like, that's what he can't handle. Mm-hmm. I that was what I was gonna say earlier is like the Cardassians. You meet just the people who are the warriors, right? I mean, that's who they're mm-hmm. tasked. In, at the end of the episode, you learn that, yes, in fact, they are bringing weapons to the border. But who cares? You're at, you were at war. You're not anymore. Mm-hmm. They still want to bolster their borders. Did you make anything in your treaty about them not being able to do that? You don't about their about borders, that. though. It's They're within an arm's reach of the Federation as if they might be preparing to attack. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, <laughs> it, it probably was something in the treaty. Otherwise, they wouldn't be disguising it as a science facility. Yeah. I mean. I'm sorry, but, like, they're allowed to defend themselves. Obviously, they're outmatched. Like, if we want to go that route, Cam. So why aren't they allowed to, like, defend themselves? <laughs> then why don't they be honest? And why are they being sneaky? They didn't let the inspectors in to look for their weapons of mass destruction. They have a peace treaty. They're they're not, like, part of the Federation. Tell that to Bajor, Marcy. Come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> don't you bring that into this, John! John, shut your fucking face! We're not to DS9 yet! Fine, fine, all right. <laughs> this war is tearing us apart. I'm just saying that when you have people that are once enemies and they have a treaty, they're not necessarily allies. They've just decided not to fight anymore. So you can't, like, decide what they can and cannot do within their own have, sector. Have you read the treaty, Marcy? <laughs> have you read the treaty of Star Date 6742? <laughs> She's still working on the committer accords. I have Picard, and I know it a lot better than you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know I'm from Slytherin House, so I'd obviously be a Cardassian. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very Slytherin outlook. Uh, No, I mean, I'm I'm going to mostly agree with you, Marcy. I'm picking the little things. I agree with Marcy. But I think, yeah, to me, the most convincing argument that Picard makes is when he says, in an upcoming scene, but we'll talk about now, when he tells Maxwell... So you took it upon yourself? You you alone decided to throw out the treaty? I mean, that to me is like, yeah, no one man should be allowed to, like, do this. 
Right. Uh, that's maybe maybe they are doing something illegal. Maybe they are breaking the treaty. But there is a process. As you said, this is a process argument. You don't just go kill everyone on a gut instinct and, and change the course of galactic history all on your own. And that's a sub-theme, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. Oh, the Tin Forward scene. That's a good scene. An Irishman and a Cardassian walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> If you actually had a joke for that, I would be super impressed. Uh, um, come on, come on, Daniel. Oh, don't disappoint me. And the I bartender says, what is this, some kind of I, joke? Uh, <laughs> I was kind of hoping Guinan would be in this scene, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. if she would have, she would probably would have cut out like 15 minutes of the running time. She, True. She would have given, uh, given O'Brien a speech and it would have all been settled right there. <laughs> Instead, we got this. It's not you I hate, Cardassian. I hate what I became because of you. So he sort of hates himself. What did he become? (laughs) A murdering racist potato eater. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm honestly, I'm not sure if like he was trying to connect with the Cardassian or if that was like... A fuck you and twisting the knife for the Cardassian, but I mean he it definitely just wasn't kind of like a vent. Like, yeah, maybe you're the guy that'll get it. Like, because it was you personally. Like, dude, <laughs> we're, but we're not all the same. I didn't know this guy. <laughs> it seemed a little harsh, but yeah, I think it was also kind of. I don't know if he was necessarily trying to Arctic, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't think he was trying to start shit with this guy, but I guess I just don't see. Like, it's a good scene. I just don't know how that is a waypoint to the arc that he eventually has of realizing that both sides see each other as the enemy. Possibly the first time he's been honest with himself. Yeah, exactly. He tells his story. Like, obviously, we don't know if he's told it before, Mm -hmm. but he's actually talking to the enemy about Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, whether or not, you know, they were both on different sides, they both have similar experiences, well, I guess maybe um, that's what I'm missing from the scene is if Darrow had shared something with him, then I could see how that would, mm. you know, jump to the next character beat for him. Like there's small talk about like, oh, yes, it's hard to get used to the it's small talk. And then he's the one who's like, that was a mistake. I don't know why I'm giving the cards. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. And then what's interesting is he says we were told it would be a launching point to attack us, which I thought, you know, is interestingly makes set like three. A, a really good mirror to what happened on the uh, science facility. Mm. It's basically the exact same thing. They were both told something and they attacked presumably innocent, maybe not in the star bases, yeah. the science spaces case, but I appreciate that a, a show with the bigger budget and less faith in its actors would have <laughs> done that whole story as a flashback. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole, like there's a fight that's begging to be choreographed. There's an alien world <laughs> that's begging to be visualized, but instead they, they saved their budget and let O'Brien carry that scene, which I think was a strong choice and a good one. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah. O'Brien and, and a glass of ale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. I think, him telling the story makes it more emotional than just seeing it as a flashback. Right. Because it's a, it's his trauma, basically like he's burying his trauma to this guy that was one could have been his enemy. And I feel like that could be cathartic. Um, He doesn't necessarily fully become like, Oh my gosh, let's be best friends, which I don't think would happen. No. Um, But like, it's, Starting with Picard, kind of getting him on track to 
like start thinking about his own thoughts, like yeah. telling his story and meeting with the Cardassian, actually apologizing to him. Yeah. Could I note one thing from the, the the anecdote? I'd never thought about this in Star Trek before, but can you imagine if tasers were indistinguishable from guns and it was just a little <laughs> dial that set it from stun to incinerate? Yeah. Can you imagine how, like, how traumatized he must have been? It's like, okay, get this guy off of me. Covered in dripping gore. Yep. Like they really need to rethink that uh, that system. That is, yeah, you're you're not wrong. <laughs> So in the next scene, we find that uh, Worf can't keep up with the Cardassians. Oh, boy. <laughs> he already did keeping up. There's mine. Yeah. There's mine. <laughs> I, he you can't the keep same... up. Worf caught the robber Cardassian. Thank you. That's, there there you it go. is. Uh, the robber. Caught... <laughs> robber Cardassian? I just thought it was funny. Like, he actually caught somebody doing something bad. First time for everything, Warp. Good job. <laughs> good job, and, security. <laughs> and then, like, I love the turbo lift. So these two guys are obviously big guys, and he's like got the Cardassian in front of him, and the turbo lift doors are just not opening fast enough, and the Cardassian's shoulder like runs into the side of the wall, and like Warp's trying to get through too. It's just kind of like funny to have uh-huh. like these two huge guys not actually being able to fit through the door. <laughs> it was a little Laurel and Hardy moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I still can't decide after the second walk, uh, watch through, uh, if the, the guy caught hacking the computers, if, uh, that all was like pre, uh, pre-planned in order for, uh, goal, mm-hmm. uh, goal to yeah. catch oh. one of his own and say, Oh, oh I'm, see, we're I'm absolutely in the, it was a, it was pre-planned. I'm oh, I'm fully convinced that yeah, it was just Masset trying to buy buy some goodwill. That's a nice take. I mean, I there was a look between them where I, yes, I felt yeah. it was more like Masset had sent him to go do it and then threw him under the bus when he got caught because the guy nice. the guy yeah, kind of has a trade. Yeah, look that was the point. It's like, oh yeah, go do this. Like, how could you? Like, of course, Masset set that up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm on board with that. I might be the only the only voice of dissent. I think this guy, honestly, Marcy said that these two other guys are like military guys, but I kind of just picture them as like the nerd squad. They're like the radar from Mash, <laughs> and I think that like that guy was just so into tech that he wanted so badly to like learn some stuff. I think he's just. A, I think honestly, he was just a big nerd who could not control himself when there's some like knowledge to be had. Because I do think that I don't. I actually buy that uh, Masset. That he, I honestly believe that he is a peaceful dude, and that I don't even, I'm not 100% sure that he knows that those, uh, right, that the psh, the things they blew up are indeed war machines. I think maybe well, he's. I'm kind of with you there, Rob, because oh. this next scene between <laughs> oh, no. Marcy and I cannot see Mr. Oh, turns out as a he's an asshole. Guy. It's impossible. Great. <laughs> Never mind. Rob's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm, you may no, be right like, about Goldman That's a perfectly Goldman reasonable said. thing to yeah. think. Right. right I, I still can't decide. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, this This next scene, I think, like, I was watching, I was like, this was the first scene where I was like, okay, Masset's not a bad guy. Okay, they're going to they're gonna reach peace. I like Masset. And I, I still don't understand why Picard gives him such a skeptical look at the end of the scene, because I felt he was being very sincere. Well, again, is he being genuine, or is he lulling Picard into a false sense of security? Whether or not he is, whatever his motives are, I feel in this scene, there was no reason to doubt him. Like, Picard has not doubted him all episode. And then this scene, when he actually starts kind of extending the olive branch, he's like, 
you know, he just he just stares him down at the end of the scene. I, and doesn't honestly, say I just didn't want another. What's the Romulan captain that keeps fucking with this? Yeah. I honestly just didn't want another one of those, and I thought this was a fresh, refreshing take. But it sounds like it's just another one of those. Well, <laughs> it does I think feel that way. The Cardassians <laughs> definitely are a little different in that they actually, I think, are on par with Picard and diplomacy because the Rom- Romulans aren't. They're like rash and like mm. kind of the opposites of Vulcans. But the Cardassians are alien, but also really similar to humans in that, like, he it knows how to be deceptive. And he comes on and he's being diplomatic and he's talking to Picard. And often we just see these, like, blown up versions of the culture where, yeah. like, it's like Worf and um, the Klingons are gonna, like, say stupid shit and be all ragey, and then, like, the pack lids are dumb, and, like, they all have their set, mm-hmm. like, stereotype, but I like the Kardashians because I keep thinking I'm saying the Kardashians, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. why do you yeah. like the Kardashians so much? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right, they're a little more subtle. Than, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and they stay that way, like, they mm-hmm. become more and more complex, it's like, yeah, they're some of them are trying to do the right things. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. It's, there isn't. There's just one race does one thing. So. They're not such a homogenous species. Right. No, God, no. no. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. The you know when this guy gets caught dicking around with her computer and Picard says you know no one man should undermine our efforts. I mean you know we've both made mistakes. Our guy killed hundreds of your innocent people, and your guy looked at our computer wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so like both sides, you know. We're both, mistakes here. we're both guilty in our way you know <laughs> you guys changed the background on our home screen <laughs> Colmasat was like you know I'm not sure I would be as merciful as you in, uh, if our positions were switched <laughs> yeah and then Picard's like wait he changed the scroll style oh you oh. <laughs> he turned the motion smoothing back on oh <laughs> So it's interesting that we don't actually see their first uh, contact with Captain Maxwell. Like, that's all done between yeah, scenes. that was weird. Rob, I know you're going to do your IMDb, but Andrew and I had just finished, like, the night before I watched this episode, Shawshank Redemption. Nice. And he beams on, oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, who the heck is that guy? I was like, <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking. I was like, that's the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, and so, oh it is. You're right. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I couldn't stop seeing him as the warden oh, yeah. after that. This is Bob Gunton, and he, following the trend, is in 140 things. So, of course. <laughs> they did bring in the heavy hitters for this episode. He started in 81. Uh, JFK, Patriot Games, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, Burton Quinn. Oh, <laughs> uh, broken arrow demolition man he's chief george earl uh almost oh done. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's in a ton of stuff wow no. i did not realize i'm not recognizing this guy from everything jeez <laughs> yeah uh, he was the president in 24 for a while i think oh yeah 24 31 episodes of 24 uh, way to go, sir. I think your entrance in this episode is weird because it doesn't seem to have enough gravitas. <laughs> it is. He just starts like palling around with everybody. Yeah. 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 I do. I, I don't know. I do kind of like the moment where like he forgets everything and it's like, oh, Brian. Yeah. Let's slap dicks. And then he's like, all oh, right. I should go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> slap dicks. 
That's, that's a thing that people do, right? Uh-huh. Well, I... That's such an accurate like picture of what happened. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know if they if he just seems too chummy to be immediately beamed on board and then just let you know. I don't well, know. I think I, that's what I like about it. Yeah, yeah. Like he th- he probably thinks he's done nothing wrong. Oh, I, think, oh, I, just, yeah. I think he knows that he's done something wrong, but like, yeah, so he's coming into it like, I'm just going to act like everything's okay and hope that everyone goes along with that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I just well, didn't think the Starship, the Enterprise would have been so chummy. Maybe, uh, yeah. Well, but Riker, again, did you see Riker's face? Like, when he looks at Robrian, he's like, Mm-mm, like, no. He does like, almost the same double take that uh, <laughs> Yeah, Deanna yeah, did. Because yeah. uh, his Imzadi his told him That's what Brian right. was feeling. You, you teleporting shit again? Feet <laughs> <laughs> of sweat. No, but seriously, Riker is like, dude, you need to take it down a notch because Picard's going to take you down a notch. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually, yeah, I am surprised how quickly Picard, like, condemns him because it feels like in other episodes, Picard would have been like, with any, like, Federation or any other race, been like, what, tell me your sh- motives. What really happened? I'm sure we just don't know the whole story. Like, he always seems to see the best in people. He condemns him not because of the massacre, but because he didn't follow protocol. And that is very Picard. Also, <laughs> he hasn't been answering any of their hails. Which, is so. a, which you know Picard hates. I don't... It, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he hates being hung up on. He hates being hung up on, and when they don't answer, that's like being pre-hung up on. So yeah. it's, <laughs> In this episode, I don't think a single person responds to Picard's hails. Yeah. <laughs> he just gets ghosted the whole episode. Yeah, he says, like, you know what? Nobody ever ghosted Lacutus. I like that. Right. <laughs> I guess I just feel like after everything they've seen, like, wouldn't he assume, like... Well, someone else must have taken over the ship. Like, they're not answering hail. Like, this is not, he's not acting like himself. Obviously, he's been Borg. They've <laughs> flew through a cloud and some microbial well, hold on, entity hold on. took we him over. We can't speculate about anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, Picard. Sorry. I just made the connection, though, that, you know, maybe it's not so strange that this guy, after having, you know, broken all these laws, is coming around, like, palling around with, like, I mean, January 6th, they're taking selfies yeah. of themselves, w- waving the Confederate flag over the doors they broke down. Well, it's a very Trumpian move. Like, yeah, yeah I'm just, I'll just keep saying that what I did was acceptable and, you know, most people will go along with it. Yeah. Or I could blow up a ship in the middle of 6th Avenue and nobody will, <laughs> <laughs> nobody will stop me. It smells musty in here. Like a bureaucrat's office. Oh, Jesus. I love that's just like such a, a, a like a playground taunt. Like, <laughs> you, you smell bacon? I smell bacon. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so, it's so childish, but I love it. And it's in response to Picard saying, it's like, okay, where did you get this information from? Right. Like, well, I just know things. Well, would you have the documentation? It stinks in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took that turn real fast. Uh, I loved it. It was good. Maybe Picard is doing all this because, like, he knows he always breaks the rules, so he's trying to, like, set a precedent that, like, we gotta (laughs) just make sure that there's a reason behind this, because I always have a reason when I break the rules. But Picard doesn't break the rules. Was there a boy on your ship that walked on a bush? (laughs) That that would be fine. Just tell me there's a boy that fell on a bush. Nope. Picard's never blown up innocent. You're right, Rob. He's never... Not as Locutus, like, right. willingly killed a bunch of people. <laughs> he didn't even want to kill two-dimensional beings. Yeah. That's right. Or, like, sentient nanobots. <laughs> yeah. Picard's a real beta cuck. He just not. 
<laughs> I have expected <laughs> Captain Maxwell is like, oh, you know, why didn't you report it to the, you know, the Starfleet? It's like, ah, those SJWs. <laughs> Deep state Starfleet would never go along with that. Hey, have you met Q, Anon? Oh. <laughs> this episode is definitely of its time. Yeah. This podcast episode. Yeah, if you're listening to this years in the future, you will know exactly when. So the very trusting Picard sends Maxwell back over to just just follow us. Follow us back yeah, to your... Uh, with the guy who just killed 850 Marshall. civilians. <laughs> Again, why do you have security? Send Worf over there with them at least. Like... Right. This is only chalked up to plot needs it to happen. Well, it's, I know. This is unfortunate writing a writing problem. So then they call O'Brien up to the bridge. Mm-hmm. And we learn that O'Brien was his tactical officer. Yeah. 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 How did he get demoted? Was it and, for and he's like killing Cardassians? Teleporting people and he's a tactical officer? I just don't understand. Is the, like the, is the Enterprise just like have like the top talent of everyone and like the most useful thing he can do by comparison? <laughs> you know, we've got, Maybe. you know, the, the, the Bill Gates is running the coffee machine on the Enterprise. <laughs> well, if you'll notice my uh, murder board on the back with the red strings... So he said that he doesn't hate the Cardassians. He hates them for what he became. So that wasn't the first Cardassian. I mean, that was the first Cardassian he killed. It wasn't the only one. Right. He went on a Cardassian killing spree after that. <laughs> Why do you think even Maxwell didn't want him on a ship anymore? Interesting. Sent him over to the Enterprise to just handle the transporter. Or he's a beta cuck who killed one time and then was so distressed by it that he demoted himself so he wouldn't have to do it ever again. <laughs> That's probably more likely. He couldn't yeah. kill anymore, so he became a teleporter chief. He couldn't. Yeah, where he. That's, that's how he thinks about it. Every time he teleports, he's like tearing them apart. <laughs> molecule. He's like, every tra- person yes. I teleport, I am murdering and what recreating. If he, like, brings back their clones that are in the like transporter <laughs> just to like pull them apart. Oh, shit. He just that's keeps such a dark story He's prestiging people again and again and again. Oh. <laughs> Murders them and then just teleports them out to the back of the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the transporter room always covered in plastic? And. <laughs> <laughs> and what's a space Dexter? <laughs> uh, I want this episode. That would be a great way to murder. No, instead, <laughs> speaking of the teleporter, apparently, even though we watched them teleport two or three times an episode and see that it takes multiple seconds to actually teleport someone in, <laughs> apparently he can get over there in a 50th of a second. Yeah. Maybe like you start the process at that I, window? I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Like, we see them manually move the bar on the teleporting console, and it takes more than a 50th of a second. <laughs> also, what if they admit? Like, that's that's a very narrow window. What if, would he just bounce off the shield? Yeah, what happens if you try to teleport someone through shields? His head just flies onto the ship. <laughs> <laughs> it just rolls into Maxwell's office and severed head. Just I don't have much still. time before I lose, uh, before I die, so I just wanted to say, let's start singing some... Uh... <laughs> That or Maxwell's like, whoa, Picard is not fucking around. All right, let's go. <laughs> it's a win-win. That's right. That's right. Don't they have the codes to shut his shields off? Mm. True. Yeah. Isn't that what the transporter code does? Isn't that what they did? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good call, Marcy. Anyway. Marcy, gold star for you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ensign Marcy figured out the problem way easier than anybody else. <laughs> but I thought he did a good job of negotiating with Maxwell. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was those are all good scenes of like them talking and like it's reminiscing. Nice yeah. Well, we can take this opportunity to discuss how you get the nickname Stompy. <laughs> how? He was a big fan of Stomp. Oh, that's probably it. It's probably not, has nothing to do with curb stomping Cardassians. Oh, <laughs> man. Stompy was a badass. Oh. My roommates would say it would be because I stomp around upstairs a lot and well, I would wake them up. So. Stompy lived on the, the second floor of the, yeah. the ship. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up, Stompy! I'm it's possible. To sleep down here. Banging a space broom on the ceiling. Is it possible that Stompy is an elephant? It's possible. Oh, in a, what picture if he's that. An elephant alien. In a crew, in a crew member outfit, yeah, this alien with a oh. card onesie. Yeah, we're not the same at all. We do not start wars. We do not make surprise attacks on manned outposts. We do not butcher women and children in their homes. This is another case of. He's accusing the Cardassians of what he just did. He started yeah. a war. He attacked a manned outpost. So yeah, you know, it's it, it's going into how he is blinded by his own biases, his anger, his titular wounds. Oh! Rob, there you go. He's so wounded. <laughs> but again, like, I don't know, my only problem was like, so they sang themselves to a resolution? Like, I don't, yeah. I, I'm not sure why Maxwell made his Guess turn. who else is going to sing their way to the resolution? This podcast. We are Bob gonna sing her along with it. Boy to oh. the war has gone on the right. Lyrics Irish potatoes, we all eat. Oh, potatoes, Irish. Anyway, this wonder wall. <laughs> Lucky charms. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> wow. Uh, available now, our cover of The uh, <laughs> Boy on iTunes. I'm not going to win this one, am I, Chief? Like that moment there when he says, I'm not going to win this one. I mean, I like, like I said, I think Bob Gunton did an incredible job mm-hmm. as not being a snidely sneering villain like ah i'm just a bad guy it's like oh no hey look you you know somebody who almost exclusively plays bad guys like really brought heart to one episode of star trek i i really enjoyed the uh the instrumental of the minstrel boy uh immediately following that that was really really cool if you like that you'll love the last episode of deep space nine because they play it again Nice. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> Mistral Boy? Yeah. yeah there's a little bit of it. Another in, O'Brien episode. It's an O'Brien, mm-hmm. like O'Brien's closing in that series, too. Whoa. All right. So, final scene, we get, uh, yeah, uh, O'Brien admits that uh, what Maxwell did was wrong. 
But that he's loyal to him. He still was a great captain. Right. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, he did kill 850 people unprovoked, but he was a good man right in front of <laughs> Gol Massette. <laughs> right. Both of them do that. Yes. Yeah. Picard, and then Picard follows up with that. God. Yeah, the Picard one was a weird beat. What's he say? Like, uh, we won't dismiss him. That's where I feel the theme of, like, it's. that's where I got the idea that it's not so much about the racism, but about the... Uh, a man of war in a time of peace. And Picard was yeah, recognizing, was respecting that in a time of war, he is a, a good man, a decent person. It's just that he <laughs> is in the wrong circumstances and he just couldn't change and let go of the war. Yeah. Which and, and it's not that I disagree with that. It's just a weird thing for him to say to, again, yeah, yes, Joel Mercet, who just who... watched 650 of his people yeah. be killed by this guy. Maybe now's not the time, Picard. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Federation can go name a street after him. But yeah. Do you think Maxwell regrets no, tear down the statue in 250 years? <laughs> yeah. Right, right, yeah. Do you think that he regrets not dying fighting Picard as Lakitas? Like, do you think <laughs> he was like, like he heard about the Borg battles? Like, God damn it, I could have been there and fought that. Well, Maxwell, yeah. I was wondering about that because they talk about how the Phoenix is like a warship, and yeah, this guy was a a war captain. Yeah. So yeah, he there's probably. Some regret there about not being with the battle. He probably thinks he could have taken Picard or Lacutus. No. Yeah. <laughs> Suicide by Lacutus is how he wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do like take umbrage with this idea of like, because somebody was good in the past, it washes free some of the oh, like yeah. guilt of their current issues. Like, yeah. I get like that we ask people to do war. I don't know. It's like for me, a, a weird one because if he's willing to do this, what do you think he did when the war was going on? Maybe he went and did take out some colonies of people that weren't, you know, because he indiscriminately was killing people. Yeah. So if he's doing it now, he probably did it during the war, but it was just okay. The 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 moral of the story was not incredibly clean cut and black right. and white. It was no. it was kind of uncomfortable in that it just kind of let it be ambiguous. And I don't know how much of that was purposeful or not. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of one of my issues is like I, there's a lot of good scenes, like almost every scene I can say, like, that was a good scene. But I'm not sure what they all add up to. It's a lot of really good ideas without a lot of resolution to those ideas. Yeah. Right. I, I just also think that it's okay that things don't, aren't completely boxed up because no, war I mean, is messy, right? So. Yeah, the TNG writers are not going to answer these <laughs> <Yeah>. incredibly difficult <laughs> right. questions. That's why I, I purposely didn't say things weren't answered. But, like, yeah, it still it needed some sort of, like, th th yeah, I don't know. This is our point of view on this. or <laughs> All right, how are we rating it, Rob? Uh, um, musty bureaucrats' did? offices? <laughs> musty, yeah, musty bureaucrat offices, or a number of civilians slaughtered, or uh, <laughs> pots of gold, um, pots of gold, or just How potatoes. Many potatoes yeah. you eat? How many scoops of O'Brien's potato casserole? That's right. I, I enjoy the. Uh, I like the idea of the uh, murdered civilians in the hundreds, maybe. So, like a perfect score would be a thousand murdered civilians. <laughs> How many? How yeah, okay, many civilians would you kill before you turned yourself in? Ooh, Even though we're not certain one. if they're civilians, but still, uh, yeah. questionable. Uh, sure, out of out of a thousand civilians. Oh, a thousand. Okay, let's just say a hundred. Okay, okay. All right, I'm, I'll I'll start. I'm, I'll give it seventy 
Se- I'd kill seventy civilians before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's it, it's a good episode. It's a solid episode. Doesn't have a high rewatchability factor to it. I really think if they could have brought in a little bit more of the Keiko and 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 stuff, it could have helped it. But uh, uh, not a, not a lot of faults. Just not the most sure. rewatchable. Uh, Marcy, what you got? Well, I'm going to do mine in the hundreds because that's more exciting. Uh, <laughs> So I would definitely kill about 750 uh, <laughs> civilians. So I was like, yeah, definitely in between a seven and an eight. It was good. The first time I watched it, it was hard to engage. I think partially because of what Daniel was saying, which is that there's not a lot of action. And it is a very like talky, emotional episode. So at first, the first time I watched it wasn't engaged. The second time, it definitely... Had a, I noticed a lot of these themes that we've been talking about. So, yeah, I'd kill me 715 Cardassians. <laughs> I uh, I liked it. I thought it seemed uh, important to have all these introductions. And it's unlike other introductory episodes, it didn't leave with a ton of questions. Like a lot of times when a new race or a new like storyline, it's like when the first, like the first Borg episode, you know, I remember it didn't really have much mm-hmm. resolution. It just kind of set up this thing. It didn't pay out. I thought this one paid off as far as uh, well, that's something, that, point. something that's, something that's clearly going to pay off in for years to come in deep space nine. So I'm going to go 800 and uh, 823. Uh, dead civilians. <laughs> <laughs> that's frighteningly specific. Yeah. That's how many I want. That's give me, give me them dead civilians. Uh, yeah. Hey, oh, wow. okay. Zanyul-san? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm rating it higher than the rest of you, possibly, because this is about the only episode I have seen. And so it might be <laughs> it might be just, you know, the other episodes are far and above better than this. But I'm giving it, I will kill uh, 850 civilians. Uh, yeah, like, I, it was very bold of them to do a sci-fi episode with no fight scenes, hardly any special effects just solely relying on the dialogue, the writing, the acting. And I respect the heck out of that. Um, it loses some points for like the the themes of, yes, the brown foreigners are sneaky, aren't they? <laughs> Not aging particularly well. But I did like that it was... I didn't know how to feel about the ambiguousness of the 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 whole war situation, but on on pawn further review, I kind of enjoy that it's not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. John, you got a score you want to give us? Yeah, I'll go with uh, I'll up it to ten thousand. I'll go with eighty five hundred civilians. Also, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like this episode. I've liked it. I remember watching it when I was a kid. I definitely knowing what it leads to affects my score some as well. But I agree that it definitely could have used some more personal, smaller individual scenes instead of just like, if it had been more focused on Brian, I think it would have been a much more solid episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can only have so many like big ideas about war yeah. and violence. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, yeah, I, I, I like my first introduction to the Cardassians. You know, I mean, I've definitely seen lots of memes with Goldaset. Is that his name? Ducat. 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 Yeah. So I, I've seen pictures of them, but this is my first time seeing them in action. And I, I, I dig them for all the reasons we've covered this episode. Rob, what, what's our, uh, what can people come 
talk to us about. Oh, can they? Oh, you should come on our social media and you should talk to us about how many civilians you'd like to kill. Um, <laughs> sure. mm-hmm. uh, you can also. Um, if, if, if you could uh, teleport a clone into your teleport bay, how would you kill them? <laughs> What's your yeah. serial killer fantasy? You can do that at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greenshirt. Uh, tweet us at, at greenshirt87. And uh, as always, get to those iTunes. Leave us those ratings. We love them. Come talk to us. We're, rate I'm, us. I'm there on Twitter. You can you can come tell us things you want us to talk about, and we will. Rate us five dead civilians. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also come to at greenshirt podcast on Instagram. That's right. What's next, Marcy? Uh, the next episode is <laughs> The Devil's Due. Oh, that sounds sexy. Wait, no, is that the right? Is that the adjective I was looking for? Usually. Um, okay, so I imagine this is all about Picard's Shakespearean tome, and he had, you know, he had bought that from like some antiquities dealer, but it actually came from an old pre World War Three library back on Earth that they are like uncovering and they've reactivated, and it actually has like a overdue library book security (laughs) system and it finds out that this book is way overdue and so there's like these automatic drones that are chasing the enterprise down trying to haven't uh, we seen the episode before on that planet with the drones that are chasing him down to kill him yeah it's kind of like that (laughs) here's because he has an overdue book (laughs) where where does the devil's part come in uh it's that's just to make it sound sexy it's actually well i thought maybe he just checked out De- uh, Angels and Demons, the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> you know, Picard, he's a big, big Dan Brown fan. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Daniel. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Great yeah. job. It's strange uh, seeing you without your hand up a puppet's ass, but uh, <laughs> strange for you regardless. <laughs> he's been a puppet this whole time. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Smells musty in here.